This week on the Startup Life, be a simple man, you know, methodology. You know, okay. makes a makes a great uh, Southern rock song, but not so much uh, <laughs> a. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, you know, don't want to be you know, just that simple, you know, nine to five kind of lifestyle. All right, Startup Nation. So let's take flight with Esra Ron and Josh Herwick, founders of Somavac Medical Solutions. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Scholars, are you ready to join the 25 Plus Club? Parents, how does thousands in college savings sound? Brand new in our school, the Owl Academy, we have released How to Hack the ACT. Students will cover managing test anxiety, math, science reasoning, and why eating a good breakfast is so important. For more information, go to this episode's show notes for the link. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We're here with Esther and Josh of Somovac. Am I saying that right? Okay, uh, to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation. You guys ready to do that today? Yes. Absolutely. All right, cool. So let's get started. So what's the story behind your company? Let's see, start at the beginning. I got recruited to be Ezra's graduate student okay. in uh, 2014. We went to the same undergraduate institution a couple years apart. Around Christmas time, 2016, uh, 15, you know, I started talking, thinking about you know, what kind of next steps look like in my life and you know, whether I needed to stick around for PhD or move on somewhere else. And, uh, you know, we kicked a few ideas around mm-hmm. and, you know, we figured we've got you know, this kind of great program in our backyard um, for medical device entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, maybe we, maybe there's some some possibility there, something okay. we can do. Ezra mostly had some fantastic relationships with some surgeons in town. Gotcha. Um, and at one point uh, we asked them, you know, what's a problem you have? What's something you like solved? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they turned us on to this idea, kicked it around a little bit, came up with a couple of prototypes, um, and started out um, in May of that year, uh, 2016, uh, gotcha. through the 0 to 510 Medical Device Accelerator. Okay. The the uh, the inception of this, from <laughs> my perspective, I don't know if Ezra has anything else. Fair enough. I concur with all of that. And again, Josh uh, was a phenomenal student in our lab, and we had this wonderful working relationship at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was going through some thoughts in his head, and I was also having second thoughts about a tenure track. Uh, position. Gotcha. Uh, so at that time, we both kind of put our heads together to come up with a solution to help patients. I mean, that was one of the things we're both engineers. Gotcha. But we were both feeling like we were not using our engineering skills to its potential to Understood. help the society. So Understood. that's something we thought, I thought that we shared often that we wanted to do something together. So okay. that's how it started, and this device is designed to help patients during their recovery after surgeries like mastectomies or hernia repairs. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And you guys just secured a round of funding, didn't you? Yes. How exciting is that? Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's amazing. It really makes us wake up and work harder. 
to I know that. that we have that support. I hear that. I hear that's, that. that's more money, more money, more <laughs> imminent problems, right? Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. Well, for us lay people, could you explain a little bit about what the device does? Um, so um, after a variety of surgeries like mastectomies or hernia repairs, mm-hmm. um, patients have to uh, leave the hospital with what are called JP drains. Okay. They're supposed to suction, the, the device is designed to suction fluids away from the wound incision sure. so that patients can uh, heal and um, recover from the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, patients go home with these for up to four weeks, six weeks at a time. They have to maintain them. They're cumbersome. They don't work well. They're mm-hmm. dysfunctional to some extent. So uh, when we were presented with the thought of one in five patients go on to have complications, patients really struggle recovering with these. Then we said, okay, uh, let's make a patient-friendly version of these devices that delivers uh, adequate suction gotcha. that can actually promote the healing process, uh, possibly. Mm-hmm. So with that said, we created a device that's wearable, compact, easy to hide, and delivers powered suction that, that has the potential to mitigate those issues that um, come up with the current solution. That's JP Drains. Okay. So the idea comes from home device so patients who go home with medical devices after surgeries really struggle a lot because these devices have been done for professional use absolutely hospital use it used to be patients stayed in the hospital for nine days wow now we discharge them immediately right patients are discharged immediately or four and a half days 4.5 days is the average so there is a need to translate hospital use devices to home use devices make them user friendly Okay, cool. That's, that's what the idea here is. What do okay. you think? Yeah, make them user-friendly user or totally innovate and come up with something new. Absolutely. And yes. tackle the same problem. Absolutely. I, I am a firm believer that tech is supposed to improve people's lives. So, yes. absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, do you use any external vendors as you, you know, like whether you need, you know, go to this company for this or go to this company for this type of part? Do you guys use that? Third parties, special vendors, anything like that? Sure. You don't have to give names. I, yeah, no, that competition no, no. and stuff, but you um, know, just what that process looks like. Yeah, we will have a, a whole host of special vendors moving forward. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you know, as we start talking about assembling an electromechanical device, absolutely. Um, currently, we rely pretty heavily on kind of the legal experts. We've got um, IP regulatory, right? Um, some phenomenal folks based in Memphis, and then kind of third party development partners mm-hmm. we've we've worked with um, to kind of you know vet and, and move our idea forward a little bit gotcha um, you know make sure we're you know this is the first time doing a medical device absolutely um, so first time consumer first time medical device so Understood. Uh, making sure we, we hit hit all our targets on that gotcha that side um, I think we also probably have to thank you know just the Memphis ecosystem you know you talk about support absolutely uh, it's, you know, phenomenal from uh, you know, epicenter starco bioworks mm-hmm. here i mean it's um couldn't have done a lot of that without them got you i guess being a pre-fda pre-regulatory absolutely. process medical device company right our structure currently is quite different than other types of businesses might be of course, so of course that's why our vendors or our supporters uh, are you. mostly consulting firms our investor investors those are our uh, contacts, third party or second, you know, our uh, contacts around 
that support our current activities. Understood. What do you wish you would have known before you started the company? Well, I wish I would have known everything. You know, <laughs> what, what, what this, you know had right. all the answers to start with. Right, um, fair enough. And we were talking about this a little earlier, too. I think uh, it's kind of nice that, in some regard, we didn't know a lot of things. Fair enough. We didn't come in with a whole lot of preconceived notions about what this would be and what we'd have to do. And, and so we were able to really learn and absorb and, and adapt, which has turned out to be pretty important with kind of the path we've, we've chosen here. Cool. Um, no, I don't know if you have anything. Fully agree. I think, um, by definition, doing what we have done, entrepreneurship is kind of breaking the norm and taking Absolutely. risks. What do you learn from the worst boss or mentor you've ever had? Generically speaking, uh, I I can speak to one really bad boss. Okay. Not, not my direct boss. Okay. But boss of a company. I Understood. For maybe uh, at that time. Not seeing the future trends, being stubborn, not changing course, mm-hmm. um, led to closure. Gotcha. So okay. I think I can be very stubborn as well, very <laughs> strong-minded. Gotcha. So I just keep thinking of that and for some of that, not to fall into that trap always. So I try to stay as open-minded and listen to others, even though I am still very stubborn, though I try <laughs> to keep my mind open to that. I think, and you hear people say this, but I think I learned mostly to do what you know, do what you, uh, which isn't to say you don't learn and, and of grow, course, but of course. Uh, if you're you know, an expert in a certain field, maybe that's a good field to do something in. Fair enough, you know. fair enough. And as for, you know, that, 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 uh, that trait of being stubborn, I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, share, so I totally understand yes. that one. Now, I, I imagine that for what you guys do, it's not like you sell cupcakes or anything like that, so it's a little bit off the beaten path, per se. Pretty much, how do you get the word out about about your company? Is it more business-to-business? Business? Do you post on social media? Is it more so word-of-mouth, relationship building? What has that process been like for you? Sure. I think uh, the first thing we're obligated to say is we can't can't really market uh, of course. an NFT of course, right. device. Right. Uh, but uh, certainly getting the word out. Currently, uh, pre-FDA, we, we, we are working on a product that's highly technical. Mm-hmm. And so as that uh, concept becomes real, we will have more chances to speak of our product. Of course. But currently, I think it's about um, getting the word out that someone is working on a solution Absolutely. for patients. Fair enough. So that's what we're trying to do. And the, here, what we found out is there are a lot of patients who are extremely unhappy with the current solution. Okay. So our aim is to reach out to those patients and to tell them that we're working on a solution. And they are online. They're on Facebook mm-hmm. and they are on Twitter. Uh, most uh, a, a good variety of surgeons are on Twitter. Very active. Sure thing. So that's where how social media, we're trying to utilize social media more so from here on out, okay. I think. And I think that also leads us to highlight that we will have a crowdfunding campaign gotcha. sometime in the near future post-FDA. Sure. So that's why we are uh, aiming to build an audience to know that someone on your behalf is working on this solution. What did you learn from your biggest failure or setback? So this is a tough tough question. Okay. Um, I think I think first I'd say it'd be really interesting to ask me in 10 years what Fair my answer enough. is to this. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think it could be minor. The, the biggest failures and, and things have probably been, uh, you know, a personal side, personal growth type things. Fair enough. Um, I think for me, you know, being afraid of things, doing things, and the what if I had done this, and you know, what if, uh, what might you know, things look like if I'd you know gone after something, or you know, gotcha. I've been a little more adventurous or something. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's something I'm I'm learning. Uh, I think 
Certainly, I'm quite a bit older than him and mm -hmm. worked as an engineer for 20 years and in a variety of forms, again, tenured at the university, all kinds of things, right? right? So it's a different path. From the perspective of Somavac, I think we're one year old, so ask us in a couple of years. Fair enough. I think come back okay. in that perspective. But from a personal, professional life, uh, I think not taking enough risks in general okay. has been a failure because... And I don't mean for everyone to just go throw everything out the door that you're doing. It's just there should be some level of uh, openness to taking risks or doing things that are out of the box, gotcha. even in our professional lives as they exist currently. Absolutely. So I think I have not done that well at all, and it's taken this long to get to this point of doing something that I feel very strongly for patients. In gotcha. The engineers helping the society directly. Okay. That's... The connecting dots. That would be my take on failure, <laughs> professional life. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, as entrepreneurs, we're always engaged in lifelong learning, constantly, you know, as you like to say, sharpening the saw, if we will. What does professional development mean to you guys, and what are you learning now? Learning on the job. Okay. <laughs> Every day. Okay. Every day. I think we're bringing some of the things we knew, and I'm, I, I think seeing that what do I know in this context and what can I learn new and who can I go to and learning as you go. And for me, that's been uh, my prior positions have been very comfortable in timelines for making decisions. Okay. I'm having to learn to make decisions quicker with better input and collecting that input. That's been what I'm trying to learn to do better, mm -hmm. but every day is you're learning something new. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think my favorite philosophy is that you know, life is short, art is long, which is <laughs> life is short, and you know, life's so short, the, the craft's so long to learn. So right. there's always going to be something to learn, you know, professional and personal. So you know, take piano lessons. I think that's gotcha. know, personal <laughs> development. I think that's, that's interesting. And so you should always, yeah. always be pushing yourself to learn and, and do Absolutely. something difficult. Otherwise, you, you get bored and you stagnate and you, you don't do anymore. That's true. That's now, true. What's really interesting is it's we, we have different perspectives on so many things. Sure. Uh, our personalities are quite different, but yet we share so many uh, basic core views. And then I really respect the things he knows. I mean, this, I learned so much just being around him. Okay. So that's continuous learning to me, just learning how someone who's way different, uh, age difference, everything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm learning constantly just working beside someone. I mean, gotcha. So that's part of it, too. I think I would have to reciprocate that okay. as well. I mean. Well, let's dig in deeper a little bit there. So what's the dynamic between you two as far as like roles and the company and how does that work? Uh, it's interesting. It's <laughs> certainly changed over the last year. Okay. Uh, for two years it was professor-student. Okay, fair enough. Um, which was well, really interesting when we first started because... Right, I was going to ask, like, I imagine there's kind of like this, you know, you see her as a professor for the yeah. for a long time. Like, how did you get over that, like, seeing her as, like, you know... Well, I think we were, we were thrust into this. Okay. You know, going to the accelerator. <laughs> um, so it took about a week to stay Ezra and not Dr. Roan. Gotcha, um, fair enough. When we started. Um, <laughs> yeah, when we started, it was, I was still working on my thesis. So, uh, you know, it would be... Let's work on the business model canvas, and then I have to say, Dr. Red, and we'll work on the pieces. <laughs> uh, have I ever? No. Uh, she, no, she didn't make me do that. I made right. myself do that. But yeah. it's, it's been a, yeah, a year of learning to work together, and it's, it's been a really good transition, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what your perspective is on this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, for me, for years, I wanted to 
be a professor who was approachable, who, okay. who wasn't like a professor, but then you want that respect. Right. It's, it's a really difficult balance Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. But he is a phenomenal engineer, so I respect his skills so much that we started equal. But mm-hmm. then trying to break him out from that role and try to break me out from the role of, right. you know, that's what I suggested to one of the teams. Make sure to get out of that professor-student relationship as soon as you can. Um, because this is way different. Um, I think we have actually more uh, differences in, he's an introvert, I'm an extrovert, Mm -hmm. and how we deal with the problems that come up. I think we really had to work through that. Gotcha. um, And we understood where our strengths were because we are that way. That took some time. And I'm a married woman with two kids, midlife, and Mm -hmm. he's a young fellow here, as you see. So (laughs) there were a lot of... How do we spend our time? How do we manage communications? I'm free Saturday nights, Sunday nights. (laughs) I'm texting work emails out, and he's over there trying to live a life. Right. Right? Right. So I think a lot of that came All the while thinking about business, (laughs) of course. But a lot of that had to be worked out, although it was very easy because we share the core mission statements of wanting to help people and do something good. Absolutely. So that's why it just developed and... Yeah, I think so. I think the, the single biggest thing was learning really what it meant to trust somebody with something as important as, you know, the other half of the business you're working on. <laughs> so once we got comfortable in, ro- I think, roles and understanding mm-hmm. to work with each other and let mm-hmm. each other do the tasks they're supposed to be doing, yeah. things smoothed out, I think. Gotcha. Fair enough. It's our baby. I mean, right. I consider this as a baby. Absolutely. Having raised babies, mm-hmm. this is... Just like baby, 24-7, love and care towards right. it. So trusting that to someone else was... We're both uh, very independent people. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to work in teams. This is strange for us to say. So that trust element, we've always done things our way on our own, I think, until then. Um, it was difficult to build trust, I think. Okay. And so it took time. Fair mm-hmm. enough, fair enough. Well, really quick, how... how uh, Dr. Ron, how how often do you look at Josh and you see, you know, because as an educator, you're investing in the people that you teach into, right? And so how often do you look at over here like, wow, I did a really good job with him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, his research project was phenomenal at the university. Okay. And um, after that, I don't know if I feel like taking credit we're still in the thick of it i i benefit from him being on this equally with me so i don't see it that way but once josh moves on to create the next best thing for the whole world and Mm -hmm. then i'll take credit for all of it how about that he started with some of that no he's um i'm glad to have played a role right that we're doing this and that's actually as the older person in this team Mm -hmm. i take quite a bit of responsibility to make this worth his time and his future. His, I worry a lot about his well-being for long term. I, I, I mean it, to it, say no, that. Classic, right? classic educator. Classic yes, educator. I, I, because he's given up some things for <laughs> right. this, uh, as you probably know, and mm-hmm. I've done that too. But this is future for my mid, mid-career. Right. It's different. So right. I Absolutely. Take, and I think that brings an element of seriousness to our team. Gotcha. That's, that's okay. there. So. Okay. I was trying to see if I could make Josh blush real quick. That's, <laughs> that's not possible. I know. I know. That's I know. Not. I know. That's why He's I gave smiling. it a shot. I, I paid her to say all these nice things about me. So. No. 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 I think she probably doesn't give herself enough credit. I think, if anything, for you know, 
being a mentor and, and absolutely advisor certainly absolutely I thank you guys for sharing that appreciate it <laughs> um, some people say uh, as an entrepreneur to be successful you need you know go to college get some networks some contacts some people just say you just need a work ethic and a dream so what say you guys uh, I'd say it's it's a little bit of both I think I, I lean much more heavily on on the grit side of things so okay that's um, you know, and you can see you know, look at research there that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest determination determining factors of success um, is that that work ethic and how resilient you are I think that being said if you want to do something in tech you probably right. need a tech background right um, and there are people that you know, <laughs> won't fund you if you don't have a tech background Fair to do something in tech. but no I think a, yeah I, I lean more heavily on the, the work ethic side of it having seen so many things from so many sides <laughs> I say it depends okay uh, it depends on the project, the people, the timing, the resources. So I've seen where hard work only gets non-creative ideas to the table. Fair enough. I've seen non-hard workers come up with the nicest ideas. I've, I see so many students, right? Understood. I've seen. Of course. So we have to find a way to bring everything. But for a business to succeed, you have to have hard work. Without it, and you have to have resilience. And if you're doing medical device, I think tech skills really are helpful because you can save a lot in early capital and early resources and really make sure that the product develops in the right direction. Um, because I've been in companies where non-technical people made decisions and it didn't work out well. Understood. Because they, they couldn't see the technical challenge. Technical debt, right? What mm-hmm. was that word? Like, you can promise you're going to do this, but it's not going to get there because there are technical barriers you cannot cross. Sure. So we were able to see this. So I, without generalization, I say all of the above in a combination, and I'm going to plug in engineers. Okay. We have it all. Engineers have it all. We have the grit, <laughs> right? The tech and everything. I so hear that. Engineers hear that. tend to combine these well. Cool. So, what's the best piece and worst piece of advice you guys have ever gotten? Very easy. Okay. Um, someone told me not to do this to start the company. Understood. That that was really bad piece of advice mm-hmm. of not doing something. I I think. Do you think they were trying to save you from something, or you think they were afraid that you may succeed? Where do you think that came from? Um, I think it was more about uh, playing it safe. Okay. Um, I, think, I think the best piece of advice, and you know, maybe Ezra can agree too, but is that it's okay not to have all of the answers. Understood. Um, it's okay to say I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or I'll look into that. Or that's a good point. Gotcha. Because um, people see right through you trying to make up something. Right. Right. Um, I think the worst piece of, piece of advice, or at least the piece of advice I've hated the most, is the be a simple man you know, methodology. You know, okay. It makes, makes a great uh, Southern rock song, but not so much uh, <laughs> a... Uh, gotcha. I you know, don't want to be you know, just that simple you know, nine-to-five kind of lifestyle. Right. I want to do something, you know, I, I feel is a lot more important. It's fine for some people. I just have always hated that. So before we go to break, last question. Um, what does the average day look like as you guys go forth in the company? And be as specific as possible. Sure. So, <laughs> I mean, the biggest block of the day will, will be here, right? Okay. So I'll wake up, you know, pretty early, come straight here, mm-hmm. uh, come straight to work. I think for us, you know, on Mondays, you know, it's important. You know, we've got a set time to have a meeting, so kind of a weekly sure. cadence to a meeting. And then to some degree, you know, every morning we kind of discuss a little bit about what, what the day needs to entail. Um, I think after that we kind of probably break up into individual tasks and 
Okay. To move forward on those. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> kind of dif- different, you know. It's Fair enough. You Fair might, enough. Um, you know, especially with kind of being plugged into this ecosystem in Memphis. So mm-hmm. a lot of days we'll, you know, there'll be something to do in the evenings or something. Something gotcha. to, you know, as we try and kind of get the word out with what we're doing, that, that becomes more important to okay. kind of get plugged into those things. Gotcha. So you know, it's work. 10 to 12 hours and then you know maybe go <laughs> schmooze and, and network and that dreaded word and gotcha Ezra's probably got different oh it's I think that it's worth talking about how um, a work day for um, someone with kids right so understood uh, goes uh, we start the day early first with kids going to school mm-hmm. and so on then get here as soon as I can usually but it, then I leave at 2.55 the latest to make it to pick up my kids. Understood. So then there's a break between uh, 3 to 8 or 9, and then I start pick back work. Right. And that's been the way since my kids were born, so that's gotcha. a regular work day. But um, every day changes in content. Some days I'm doing financials, some days I'm doing marketing, some days Understood. I'm doing engineering. Understood. So it's, it's, it varies in contact, but as he said... We have multiple times during the week where we know we'll be together in the same room, mm-hmm. and then lunch days, and, and then the rest is whatever needs to get done. So we're going to take a quick break. How you guys like being on Startup Life so far? I like Wonderful. it. Oh, cool. This is fun. It's great okay. This is fun. Okay, cool, cool. So we're going to take a quick <laughs> break, and you're listening to the Startup Life. If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than Owls e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers, the store name Teaching with Owls. Enjoy great lessons based on short stories from great authors such as Kate Choppin's The Story of an Hour and Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And no worries, teachers, all lessons are Common Core aligned. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Josh and Ezra, um, before we get back into the questions, I want to get your take on something. So, you know, we live in this day and age where tech is replacing people's jobs and we have autonomous cars and autonomous this. Um, what's your take on that? Are, are we kind of losing something? I think the, the promise has always been it makes life better and easier. Right. right? But I think it's absolutely happening. Right. Uh, it's something that's going to happen. People are going to keep figuring out ways to make things quicker and more efficient and faster. And a lot of times that means replacing people with, you know, robots and, and right. whatnot. So it's, I think it's it's coming and there's going to be a big change in the way, you know, you know, the economy looks. Absolutely. There'll always be a need, I think, for kind of some specialized tasks that aren't very good at being automated. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, certainly right off the bat, manufacturing jobs are, are going to go away. The, right. You know, the trucking industry, especially when you look at how many jobs that's going to replace, mm-hmm. it's a huge part of uh, you know, some parts of the economy, so especially here in Memphis, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, trucking. I mean, any kind of transportation is going to be totally automated, right? Um, even to some degree, as you know, you never be able to recreate creativity, at least hopefully not in the near future. Right, things look very scary when that happens. <laughs> right, but even to some degree, engineering jobs, the kind of the 
you know, the calculator replaced five guys doing hand solutions, you know, and the slide rule and all of that. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, especially, you know, computers can be very good at finding um, kind of ideal solutions to things. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. It's inevitable. Right. Uh, is it better or worse? I don't know. I'm someone who seeks personal interaction. Absolutely. It's my purchases... I still make decisions on customer service, whether there's someone who answers calls. I don't like things to be automated. So, gotcha. with that said, mm-hmm. with that said, in healthcare and in basic science, let's speak about it a little bit. What I can give you examples where uh, lab equipment tried to automate certain tests we were carrying out in my lab. They were basing their automation on what I think not very good science. So they were using results that were not very good to automate. There are things that are so complicated that it's still a human has to be there to make that call. But they were automating it based on things that were not solid, and I always had a problem with that. So if automation comes on the shoulders of good science, good facts, good solutions, I think it will improve life and improve. It will maybe give people more freedom to be with their family. Understood. Right? But I do see automation going faster than the basic building blocks that need to be there, and that worries me. And in healthcare, that's why I don't think it comes in as much yet. Because you still need nurses to see the patient, the color of the fluid, color of the patient's, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. status, or, like, things have to be there. So automation is lagging for that, and other reasons, I'm very sure, many. Understood. But from my perspective... Let's make automation stand on the shoulders of good science, and then I think we'll get there. That's I where that. I yeah. struggle with. It's going to be interesting to see, the, like I said, you know, the, such a big push towards innovation. Because the first time you mm-hmm. do something will always, at least for the foreseeable future, be a human you know, interaction, right. that creative spark. How many but, times, you know, in the lab we've done cell experiments where there's an automated version of it, but the results are... <laughs> You know, and then we have to come back and redo it manually because gotcha. it didn't work out. We don't trust no, the I results. Agree. I agree. So I think there's room for automation, and we are going. It's inevitable. Right. I, mean, I may sit here and say I, I'm a person who prefers interactions with people, and I would rather have someone do that job rather than automate it. But I mean, it's gonna be a very interesting question in five years. And fair, yes. enough, fair, yes. enough, yes. fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But in healthcare and basic science, I don't know where we are yet with automation. Understood. That's what my mind goes Understood. to. Understood. Of course. Shipping, delivery, factories, which I've been in factories as well. I mean, I worked in the industry, mm-hmm. and I know what automation does right. to industries. But I, my mind went more towards healthcare and basic science, biomedical science research, and so on. Understood. There's a big push there for automation, too. Understood. And, and I appreciate you guys sharing that because, you know, we're moving from an industrial economy to more of a very tech-savvy, autonomous economy. So I kind of really wanted to get your take on that. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. What do you think is a popular misconception about starting a business? I think we fully agree that it's people think it's easy. Okay. I think so, <laughs> yeah. And where do you think that comes from? I, well, I can tell you from my own <laughs> personal bias. Okay. Uh Every engineer will tell you they're an engineer, right? So in college, you, you think you, know, you have a very hard degree if you're an engineer, right? right. Business people, you know, they just party all the time. <laughs> and, uh, so it's easy, you. right? You get this, that's kind of what you do if you don't, you know, aren't totally sure about what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's, that's a huge misconception I had, um, and that what it really takes, kind of the art of business and being a business person, 
you know, obviously we're still learning, but gotcha. it takes takes hard work. It takes um, you know being actually pretty intelligent, you know, both intellectually and then kind of emotionally too, right? Understood. So you can connect with people and make things happen. How has being an entrepreneur affected your overall lifestyle? And I, and I imagine I'm going to get two different answers here mm-hmm. based on, you know, what you were saying earlier. For me, um, it brought some different level of stress, personal stress in the way of it's my baby. It's a, mm-hmm. you know. With that said, it brought uh, a lot of fix- flexibility. Uh, and I get to spend more time with my family. Okay. And I get to do something that I can bring them in more. Understood. to what I do. Uh, they know, my kids now understand what uh, pitching is or investor conversations can be like or okay. product development is. So <laughs> we talk about these thing, things and they see me do it. But more flexibility and more time with family, but a little more uncertainty and stress along with that. Understood. I think for me it's, uh, it's pushed me out of any semblance of a comfort zone. Okay. Um, so I, I still think I'm, I'm nowhere near an extrovert. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but I've certainly been for, forced to pretend to be one. <laughs> um, so I think I've, you know, I've learned a lot and changed a lot in that regard. Um, you know, getting up and talking in front of a whole bunch of people and mm-hmm. probably, the, you know, the one-on-one conversations are probably more nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> um, but being comfortable with that and then, you know, being comfortable with kind of letting myself get out of my comfort zone and, you know, live a little and, and you know, do more interesting things. And I think it's also made me be a lot more deliberate and planned and scheduled. So when, okay. you, when you do that, it allows you to kind of, like Ezra said, you kind of have more free time in a, in a weird way when gotcha. you're much more deliberate and planned. I think that's probably the biggest way. Do you have any employees at some of that? We have, as uh, as of last week, we hired her our first summer intern. Okay. Yes. Okay. And okay, so um, with that being said, what do you look for when you when you look to hire an intern or an employee, for that matter? We are really early to give you a full account sure. uh, because sure. we are again uh, pre-FDA. We don't intend to hire a full time. Of course. Anyone. But I think first of all, do they meet the skills, standards of skills, and technical skills and administrations, uh, all the standard things. Mm-hmm. Two, um, do they line up? Gotcha. With our culture, and do they share a similar uh, desire, maybe, um, as to what they want to do with their engineering gotcha. background? Okay. Do we get that sense? Because obviously, if when we're working with very young people, sometimes they don't know Understood. what they want even. So you have to read into possibilities and potentials. That's what I would say. Gotcha. Yeah, I think in the future I want to. You know, the biggest criteria is are they better than me? You know, <laughs> okay. right? That's true. Nothing, okay. nothing grows if yes. you if you hire worse than you, then the company gets worse. Right. On the yes. aggregate, but look for the someone better than you. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, technical ability and um, do they really share uh, you know, our vision for the future and, and what we want to do? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Without a doubt, are they better than us? That's definitely a good one. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let me ask you this. Do entrepreneurs have an obligation to tackle social issues? I think everyone has an obligation to tackle okay. social issues. I think entrepreneur. I think maybe no, okay. um, from the perspective of business. Okay. Um, you know that if every every entrepreneur was a social entrepreneur, maybe we can get there in the future. But you know, mm-hmm. at this point, you know, you still need businesses and, and products and services. Of course. So I don't think you have an obligation. Uh, for the company to take on social issues. Certainly, we, we've taken on something we think is a social issue mm-hmm. um, that we can also make a business out of. So right. 
maybe that's a split answer. <laughs> um, I think if you're successful, you absolutely do. Okay. Um, you know, especially in terms of you know wealth and, and what that turns into. I think Jack Ma talked about wealth mm-hmm. being the value society has trusted you with. Right. So I think in that regard, you absolutely do. I think something that comes to my mind often is having a purpose. Okay. Uh, it could be social issues. Um, it could be environmental issues. Uh, just what's the purpose that you wake up doing what you're doing? I think that's an obligation we should all have, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for FedEx or someone else down the street. Understood. Um, in what way we provide positive service to our world. I mean, I worked in big companies, I've mm-hmm. worked in institutions. I find so often that we just do what we're told, which is fine because there's very many wonderful things that all of these companies do. But sometimes we get lost as a single person who works in those big companies. Or what is my purpose? And entrepreneurship kind of allows us to be those that single soldier. That's what my what's my purpose, and so on. I would say, not an obligation, but a strong sense of purpose. Okay. Why are you doing what you're doing? Okay. I think is at the essence of that. Who are your mentors? I've uh, I've always thought this was a odd question yeah um, I know and just because <laughs> I don't think in my life I've ever tried to seek out a mentor I've always right. thought that was kind of an awkward exchange you know will you be my mentor um, I think in, you know Ezra was certainly a mentor especially coming as a, as a graduate student I probably have to mention him and you know, we'll see if he hears this but uh, okay. I met uh, Eric Matthews through kind of this program okay um, at one point called him an unsolicited mentor so okay. probably uh, give me give me some stuff for that but uh no, I think, yeah, probably those two individuals at this point in my life. Yeah, we'll see what the future holds. But. <laughs> All right. I had quite a few having, um, I think, when you say in my life, it's you're young, <laughs> especially <laughs> once graduation. Yeah. So um, in academia, you certainly have mentors. You cannot make it through uh, without mentors. So Dr. Chris Waters in Memphis, Dr. Eugene Exine, these are academic mentors, certainly, mm-hmm. and also personal development, too. But if I look, uh, and my PhD mentor, who is Dr. Kumar Vemaganti mm-hmm. at the University of Cincinnati. So okay. those are the people who developed me into who I am today. But I would say I'm going to give a shout out to my husband. Okay. I think he has a lot to do with how my professional went, life went because he's in the background, although he doesn't give opinions all the time. But Stephen Rohn, who's my husband, I mm-hmm. think he's always been there, you know somewhat of a mentor role to me but at the same time I I also thought today that Josh and I on a day-to-day basis now mentoring each other because we're learning on the fly what we're doing so lots of mentors cool when you live longer you have mentors (laughs) all right so I'm older I have mentors (laughs) make the case for why somebody should start a business here in Memphis I think in, in Memphis it's well I think two reasons one it's the access to to people Okay. It's huge. So uh, if you live in Memphis and you need to you know, talk to the mayor next week, it probably can be set up pretty easily. Okay. You know, if you need to talk to, you know, whoever, right? That's um, not the case if you live, you know, somewhere else. Gotcha. Um, so, the, you know, the access to resources and, um, you know, expertise is huge and, you know, pretty easy to do in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also helps, you know, if you're in... Silicon Valley, your Uber driver is talking to you about his startup on the way to you know, gotcha. drop you off at dinner. Uh, and it's not the case in Memphis, right? Every, it's, um, 
you have the opportunity to be big fish in a small pond or uh, at least a gotcha. people can see your fish in a pond. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then it's, it's economical. It's gotcha. It's probably one of the going to be one of the cheapest places to start a business. So you don't have to, you know, take on a whole bunch of capital and dilute yourselves just to pay for your team to live somewhere. Understood. Um, so I think those reasons are, you know, for me, Good. why you should do it in Memphis. Yeah, I concur with almost all of them. One thing to add is I think it's just the right size of a town that there is enough of a community um, to support ideas and businesses. And yet, everyone knows everyone enough mm-hmm. to say someone, hey, do you know someone in finance? And, or do you know investors? Do you know this? Everyone is connected enough to support each other, to bring those resources or the people in. So diversity is here. Creativity is here. And for medical devices, I think we need to... It's, we have numerous global mm-hmm. medical device companies in right. town. Talent is here. Um, resources are here so and it is economical you can afford I mean uh, from Josh's perspective he can afford to be on a startup early stage startup salary and exist I mean that's one of the things right right that comes into play so yeah it's a wonderful place cool cool Uh, I have to point out me and Josh were in the in a program together called New Memphis and we had a project we had to do and that's where this question came from. So I just wanted to point that out. Where do you see Somavac in five years? Now, granted, I know, you know, pre-FDA regulation and all the other stuff, but, you know, where do you see the company in about five years? Yeah, so... If, uh, Go ahead, sure, take I'll it. Take it. Um, yes. I think one of the things we've, you know, we talk about is, especially in the healthcare industry um, and hospitals in general, there's a... and has been a push to get patients out of the hospital as quickly as possible. Gotcha. Um, if you can do that, you can appreciably reduce um, infection rates and things like that. Absolutely. So what that's created is a whole uh, whole bunch of products that were created for professional use, mm-hmm. um, and there's just a lack of, uh, of their counterparts for home use. Gotcha. So I think we see ourselves, and hopefully I'm not speaking too much for Ezra, but we, we see ourselves as a, a company that's well-suited to, to tackle those issues and really see some of those unmet met needs. So I think it's where we see, see the business, the industry. It's uh, it's a little more difficult to gotcha. to foresee. So we intend to be a medical device company of in course. Memphis, mm-hmm. who creates solutions for um, post-surgical uh, fluid management. Gotcha. Just broadly speaking, and we want to be the experts in that, and of we course. want to stay in this business of creating solutions. Um, our current solution is the first of a series of ideas that Absolutely. we can build upon. Mm-hmm. So, and in five years, I would say um, we hope to have two, three of those, right? At least uh, manage, grow maybe, mm-hmm. grow our company to uh, 10 people, I would say, because we want to remain as an engineering firm Absolutely. or a medical device, um, creating a, a medical device design engineering house. Understood. Uh, some We have examples of this in Memphis in orthopedics. Okay. Yes, we okay. have long existing successful orthopedics small size companies in town. So um, I think that there's a room, there's a niche market there for medical devices for home use and we want to be that company awesome. in five years. 
Do you agree with that one? I, How about I, that? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, we've been at a year, so we've been a year. It's, so it's that's to see how things change. You know, and gotcha. of course, of course. That's the thing with startups. You have to be very prepared to be extremely flexible to Absolutely. where it goes. But if you ask me what my desire is, that's the idea. That's yeah. where we would want to take it to. Yeah. And I think not just me. I think we talk about this all the time. Yeah, the industry, you know, as a whole, is going to be interesting to see how things things change, mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. with two different administrations with different uh, thoughts about healthcare and, and the way things yes. should be run. So, gotcha. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those changes play out and, and affect yes. medical device specifically. You know, there's talk of you know, how the FDA is regulating things and right. the barriers to entry there. So, those changes will really fundamentally affect you know how, how things are done absolutely uh, hopefully for the better mm-hmm. um, hopefully we don't get rid of all you know regulation in the <laughs> FDA space I think right. they're very valuable in what they do but, right um, it'll be interesting to see well I can I can speak as a and thanks for sharing that it sounds like you're doing some exciting stuff and as a native of this city uh, I can tell you I'm very glad you chose Memphis to be mm-hmm. home so I, I am uh, very happy about that um, now, this next question may make Josh cringe a little bit, but it is what it is. What is your entrepreneurial superpower? I think if there's any superpower I have, it's, it's that I um, I don't worry, I think, okay. a lot. That's a good um, one. Which doesn't mean I'm not concerned. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Absolutely. I'm kind of consumed by what we're doing. But, yeah, I think I can not worry because I know you know, have enough well-intentioned and smart people working on something. Mm-hmm. There's always a solution. Every problem has a solution. I can kind of sleep at night knowing that. Um, there's a, you know there's nights every now and then you know gotcha. and you worry about stuff but <laughs> in general I think the ability to maintain a calm kind of even you know outlook on things mine is um, it's a technical term wait for it it's, okay no no <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's it's um, about a year ago during Startco sure. Accelerator zero to five ten uh, Mara had us do a test and the first thing for me it was about personalities and things like that your strengths and mine is winning others over it's called woo woo factor okay. all right, all right. <laughs> so I, I do I never thought of that as a skill to have or uh, something that I could like, a, I never I thought it was just me being me like people right it's not a skill it's a superpower right it's <laughs> yes yeah, so winning others over I can sweet talk anyone Understood. <laughs> how about that <laughs> right. into doing whatever I think that's a good one yes I think that's so. a good one so how can people follow you, their website? Yes. So we would like to ask anyone who's interested in knowing more about us or you've experienced post-op drains or you've had someone you know who's experienced breast cancer and you know what this means mm-hmm. for them uh, managing post-op drains, um, please go to our website. It's uh, somavac.com. Okay. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, Somavac Medical. Okay. So please do follow us along. We, we need your help and support to bring this device to patients, not just uh, um, we think this is a grassroots effort Absolutely. to bring more uh, voice to patients and to their experience at home. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. Okay, cool. That's it? Okay. Uh, I don't think I can say it better. <laughs> Fair enough. And Startup Nation, if you look in the show notes, there's the links right there for easy access. Uh, before we wrap up, any aspiring, uh, any pardon advice, I'm sorry, yeah. for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Uh, so I think this is my cautiously optimistic side. Okay. Um, but certainly it's worth taking the risk. 
Okay. Um, it's easy for me to say that too, being younger, but certainly if you're young, take the risk. Um, it may be, not in Ezra's case, but in, in some other cases, maybe the only time you get a chance to do it. Um, but I understand what, what comes with it. Um, and if you're comfortable with, you know, nine to five and weekends off, maybe that's a better, you know, avenue for Understood. you. Understood. So, you know, don't be afraid if it's something that you really want to do, but understand what it, what it means. All right. So. Cool. Hopefully there's something not so somber for best <laughs> No, it's great. It's great. It's, you know, um, I say just do it. I hope one of the major companies don't come after us with that, but just <laughs> gotcha. do it. You know, gotcha. really, just stop thinking and do it. Right. But also, as you do that, um, take a moment and take a tally or note of what are the skills that you already have developed that you can bring into your current venture or current next move. I hear that. Um, for me, it took me a long time to recognize what kinds of things from academia or my prior experiences mm -hmm. fit what I'm doing now and finding the mapping of that. So just do it uh, and be wise about it. I think that's what we're both saying. All right, go for it. Go for it. Cool. Go for it. All right. Yes. Well, that's going to conclude this episode of The Startup Life. Did you guys enjoy it? Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Cool. Anytime. Right, Thank worries. you so much oh, for no. coming here. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. Here's my final take. When it comes to Somavac, it's a business that's trying to improve the quality of life of patients in the healthcare industry, which is vastly important. Also, I very much appreciate Ezra's and Josh's transparency as they run Somavac. I mean, take the cover art for this episode, for instance. It has a trash can in it. The reason they chose that picture is because even though you hear in the tech world, in the biotech world, all this money for funding that comes flying around, they want you to know that at the end of the day, there's still a, a small business trying to move forward and try and go through all the ups and downs of any other small business. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or would like to advertise on our show, send us an email to the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Owls LLC. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life. The Startup Life.